This is Sound and Vision on KEXP. I'm Emily Fox. And I'm John Richards. So we are going to focus this entire show today on death and music. So we're going to hear the stories from this week's death and music event and hear listener stories of death and how music was healing for them during the process. But first, John, I, I want to hear your story. So you started all of this. You had your annual mom show on Thursday morning where you remembered the death of your mother. You told the story of her struggle with cancer and her ultimate death. And you also played the music you connected to during her struggle with cancer. And this week was the 15th anniversary of her death. But I understand that this whole idea of sharing stories of death and grief through music actually started with your dad's death in 2000. Yeah, my dad had been battling cancer for years. And he uh, we had a strained relationship. But at the end of his life, you know, my brother and I, we were pretty much it. Like everybody else kind of was gone. And so we'd be out there quite a bit uh, seeing my father as he was getting sicker and sicker. And um, after leaving his home, you know, that, that night, or that day, I should say, that night I was hosting the local music show then. I was on the air like six, seven days a week then. And he died. And I got word that he had died. And so I got on the air. During uh, your shift, you're just going to power well, through it. Yeah, it was right before that. And so I was young and kind of dumb and naive and just thought, well, I, I, what do you do? You, I guess I'll just get on the air. Because I've been dealing with the dying, the process for so long that for me, his death was a bit of a relief that he wasn't suffering because he suffered a lot near the end. So I got on the air and I have to say it was that night that I really became really who I am on the air. Um, that's How sort of, so? Well, I was myself a bit, um, but I still was trying to be a DJ. There's only so much I could try, you know, it wasn't very good. So I, that didn't really work for me, like trying to be a pro DJ. So, like a DJ persona versus like just being really open and vulnerable and honest. Yeah. And then I was struggling with like, am I supposed to sound commercially a little more or am I supposed to be more NPR-y? Like, so I, <laughs> I wasn't quite sure. And I've always kind of been in the middle of that. Right. And so I got on the air and I just said, I started the show off. Hey, it's not Oasis. I'm John Richards. And uh, yeah, my dad died. Yeah, he died today. And I'm just going to play songs that local music here that I think means something. Um, and I picked a bunch of songs out before the show. And that is the most response I've ever gotten at the time. I think it was just phones at the time. And we were in the basement of Kane Hall. I'll never forget it. It was, And I just thought, wow, I guess I can be myself. And so fast forward again a few more years. Unfortunately, my mom was diagnosed with lung cancer um, just after my dad's passing. And so a lot of time going over there and a lot of time dealing with it. I didn't talk that openly about it. Um, I kept my mom's privacy a bit, but she was a listener too. She streamed over in Spokane and, you know, when we got word, she'd had her lungs drained and she, she, I've been going over to chemo and stuff, but she had her lungs drained. She had like a day pack and she'd gone to work that morning and they're like, oh, they have to drain the lungs. And, and then, um, that day I got a call from my brother and he said, she's dying. You need to get here now. I had just had a baby two weeks prior to that. So my first son. Yeah. So Arlie has just been born and. We were here, and so I, I didn't even pack. I just, we just got in the car. It was like a movie. You know, it was like the, the difference between speeding with a baby in your car and seeing your mom in time before she's dead. And I remember <laughs> that. Like, which do I do? Yeah. And so I straddled that 70-mile-per-hour line, you know, and um, I sped over there. We got to the hospital, um, same hospital like my brother was born in in Spokane where I grew up. And I walked in, and um, she had a big community there. She worked for the police department, and everybody knew my mom. And so we were there and I walked in with a baby and the chaplain, the police chaplain, you know, had the whole uniform on. It was so crowded that he was giving her last rites holding onto her big toe 
I'll never forget that. That's the only area he could he could reach, you know, kind of looking over her as, she, as they were, she was going to, you know, pass. And so I was able to get into the crowd and, and you know, just kind of say goodbye. And then I, I remember walking out of that into the hallway and I just, it just burst into tears and a nurse just came walking up and just hugged me and I'll never forget that woman. And I just thought, man, this is it. And, but it wasn't. She woke up and she asked what everyone was doing there. I'll never forget that. What are you all doing here? She, that's kind of where I got a little bit of my sarcasm was from her. And, um, and we were really close. She was like my best friend. So it was hard to see that. And then we spent the rest of our time getting her the hell out of there. She didn't want to die in the hospital. So we managed to get her a police escort. She had some connections there. And yeah. we rode <laughs> a police escort uh, through the streets of Spokane. I remember her telling me when we were driving in the ambulance and she said, um, this is the last drive I'll ever make. You know, there's moments like that that they don't, nobody prepares you for. And that's the thing about grief and and death that these things that we don't talk about that are presented us that are just, you, there's no handbook for life, let alone for death. And so um, we got to a home I grew up in, put her in the living room, set up a bed, you know, did everything. And uh, I was there for two months. She lived two months, uh, actually. It was in the most pretty amazing time. And I had to tell listeners like where I was. So I really opened up about it. We used to do email playlists. We didn't have social media. Again, way back 04, you know, the old days. And I told people, I really, uh, I still have that email and said, hey, you know, my mom's dying and, and here's where I'm at. And so we we're over there with a newborn baby for two months, not on the air. Eventually went back home. She, she went back and forth a lot and she passed. And then I came back for the funeral and my mom, when she was dying on her deathbed, we had a lot of conversations and you know, it was different than my dad. We didn't have regrets. We didn't have issues. Like she was, we had great conversations, you know, and um, she gave me advice for when she's gone and I still remember it. And um, we talked a lot about music and she really got into music listening to my show, which was a really nice compliment. Um, she'd be like, who are those Echo and the Bunny people? Like Echo and the Bunny men? Like, yeah, yeah, I really like them. Or Sigur Ross, who are they? <laughs> and um, she discovered a lot of stuff. And so we went over and we made her playlist for her funeral. Together, yeah. you and your mother. Yeah, I, and I gave the eulogy. We kind of worked that out together. And then we worked out the music together. That's kind of my role in the family. I have, my, I have an older brother and a younger sister, but we all had our roles. You know, Eric was my brother. He's the one kind of in charge of the estate and doing all the important stuff. You don't want me doing that. My sister was there kind of for the day-to-day and delivering morphine and things like that for my mom. And then I was like her buddy, you know, who worked with her just where she was mentally and talking about life after death and things like that. So we talked music and we created the whole playlist together and got it approved by her. And I remember going to the church and church music was playing. (laughs) I came just, you know, pissed. Like in my mind, I kicked open the door. I didn't, but in my mind, <laughs> I kicked open the church door, and, the ch- and I'm, I start this in, in nice eighty-year-old woman is sitting there, and I'm just, why is this playing? And music is so important to us. And get rid of the organs. Yeah, what is happening? And so we, we, I have music, and she goes, oh, no one told me. I was like, oh, it's right over here. And so we put uh, music on, and something I wrote down some of the songs actually that. That meant something to me or part of the, the whole mom show. And I forget, I just popped into my head. You know what it was? The first song I had on that list from her was the Jayhawks, uh, Will I See You in Heaven. We're not a religious family. We, you know, we weren't a, talking about heaven or life after. There was never, ever discussion about this kind of stuff. 
But the, my mom really liked the Jayhawks. She discovered them on the show, and I remember that song meant so much to me that she had found the Jayhawks on my show, and, and then this song, Bless You in Heaven, was so powerful. Will I see you in heaven Shine your light from above With your love I am never I will give you some advice, though, Emily. If you do uh, interview a band for the first time, Jayhawks, maybe don't don't like start with, hey, I played your music at my mom's funeral because it kind of killed the mood. Are you saying you did that? I did that. I totally <laughs> did that because I had a chance to thank them. And I did. So anyway, well, I see you and him was played. So. We played these songs, and then I came back to Seattle doing the show, and then, you know, the year kind of passes, and November 13th was the day she passed. And so I was on the air on November 13th. I don't think I even was like, woke up in the morning and went, oh, it's the anniversary. I always think of her birthday. You know, I think of July 17th more because she was born then, and then um, it just hit me. And so I started playing songs that year about uh, her funeral, like the songs that were played at her funeral and songs that meant something to me. And then in that first show, I remember playing the song that I was listening to a lot. So it just wasn't about a funeral. It started to become, this was the different part, right? I started with like, oh, we'll just play songs at a funeral. I wasn't a speaker on death or grief or anything. I was just grieving on the air. And there was a song I kept playing when I was driving back and forth. And it just, we've even asked this on Sound and Vision for a question. Like, what song was written for you? Like that, that you feel like the lyrics were about you or exactly what you're going through. And yeah. I realize a lot of these are. I get a chill just saying it. And the song is Snow Patrol's Run. And there was a moment, I was listening to it so much, and I've said this before on the air, like, it seemed like every time I was driving back and forth, it was pouring rain. And my, my joke is always like, John Cusack in a movie, Rain. Because if you ever watch him in the rain, it's just, it's just being dumped on. It's just like not natural rain. And I thought of myself as him sort of in a movie because it would just pour rain as I'm driving across the state of Washington. And there was a particular time I I hadn't been emotional and I played this song, Snow Patrol's Run, really loud. And I remember cry singing to this song, like yelling the lyrics to this, this amazing song. Snow Patrol's Run was one of those where I thought it was written for me. And there's another one that has a home on every mom show. And it was uh, it's by Alexi Murdoch. And actually, the version, the live at KXB version to me is actually even better. It's more emotional. It's more stripped down. And it's about standing there with your brother and sister and just how emotional you are. And I don't you know, necessarily know what he's singing about. I just know there's loss in the song. And he has his brother and sister standing by. And, and I, like, I'm shocked a song like that exists. So I play this every year on The Mom Show. And it has become a song that other people who go through death with their siblings, especially, have, have kind of latched onto. to. 
with my sister standing by. Say, here's what I know now, sister. Here's what I know now goes like this. In your love, my salvation lies in your love. My salvation lies in your love. My salvation lies in your love, in your love, in your love. So the mom show continues each year. And I think each year I get more comfortable talking about it, right? So now we're a couple years after 2004. It's becoming more about listeners. It's becoming more about their grief and their, because each, you know, everyone's going to face it if they haven't already. And so um, I started, more and more songs started to uh, come up around situations. Um, and one of them is the loss of someone who's not gone yet. So dementia, Alzheimer's, dealing with that loss that, 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 that they're still here. And I actually count myself, my father-in-law is, is currently going through dementia. It's, it's pretty brutal, um, the dementia, because it's hard for him to remember who he is and who is my wife and his grandkids are, though he still lights up when he sees our little one. So I hadn't had experience with that, and I got a lot of people who had been dealing with this loss that's not gone and they feel like nobody's talking about it right so i this song i play is from chocolate genius it it is hard it is hard for people to listen to sometimes but my mom is is a song that uh for people dealing with dementia is just is meant a lot because again with the mom show and with music and I, i talk about this all the time is sometimes you can't come up with those words that you need or you can't form the things you need to say and so maybe these songs aren't written about you, but maybe written for you. It's been five years and some change And this world is getting so strange But this house smells just the same And my mom My sweet mom She don't remember my name. So I came back after a few years of the mom show, and I and I was able to deal with my mom's death more than my father's because she and I were buddies. You had a connection. Yeah, and we talked a lot about it. Whereas my dad, when there's and people relate to this when I talk about it, like my dad and I had this just totally strained relationship. And for me, this song's kind of interesting because in Michael Fronte's Never Too Late, and again, this is a live at KXB version too. Um, I found it to be just, 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 just you know, I mean. I'm, Michael Fronte, is it Fronte or Fronte? Fronte. Fronte. Yeah. I mean, he's just as a person, just like all about positivity as yeah, well. I mean, yeah. I mean, he got interviewed about not wearing shoes. And he goes, yeah, I haven't worn shoes in like five years. <laughs> I said, why? Well, he's trying to talk about the plight of people who don't have shoes. And, uh, so he just, I'm just like, God, oh, what a great human being. And so he sits down at KXP, starts singing about his father. And so in the song, Never Too Late, for him, it's about that it's never too late for his father, who's just was not a good father, not a good man. And then he was. And I couldn't relate to that because my dad never really came out of it. But what happened for me when my dad died is, is that instead of waiting for him to say, I'm sorry for being absent, for being an alcoholic, for some of the many, many um, abusive things he said and did. Um, none of those things 
there was never an apology and I realized he couldn't. And so the best thing I ever did and the best advice I have for any of you out there, if you can find it somewhere in you, forgive these people. I can tell you from authority being on the other side, the, the, the almost most selfish act I've ever done is to stand there above my dying father and say, I forgive you. I'm okay. I'm moving on. And so when he passed, I've never looked back on that and thought, I wish we'd reconciled because we couldn't. And so for me, this song came and I thought, well, this is both for the people who can forgive and it's also for the people who can change. And it's never too late to start the day over. It's never too late to pick up the phone, pick up the phone and call me. Never too late to lay your head down on my shoulders. Never too late to come on home, come on home. So this is Sound and Vision on KEXP. Um, I'm speaking with John Richards about the history of the mom show, death and music, how it came about. And we're going to be talking with Amy Richards, John Richards' wife, in a second here. But before we we hear Amy's story and and, and how she's come a a part of this whole conversation, I mean, what do you want people to take out of death and music and the mom show? Well, it's that message you've heard a thousand times from me. You're not alone. I think the most lonely you feel is when someone dies. Because um, they're gone, you know. I, I don't know how else to put it. They're gone, and no matter what you believe in, they're not. They're not with you. And so, what I want you to feel is you're not alone. That there's other people dealing with grief. That while you're, everyone's situation is unique. You're absolutely dealing with different grief. And the main thing is, I want you to feel that there's hope for you. That your loved one or the person you're missing would want you to continue on. I know I would want that around the people around me. You know, it's easier said than done, but I would want that of everyone around me. And so I think when we talk about it, when we normalize grief, that to me is the main thing. You normalize these feelings you have that 20 years after someone dies, my mom died 15 years ago, the get over it syndrome or the, uh, isn't it great that, you know, oh, she lived such a long life or, you know, no, I want her here. That's dumb. Um, I want her alive. I want these people alive. This is stupid. And I want people just to feel like we can be be together and both to grieve no matter how long it's been or what your relationship is, that you don't have to apologize. Like, oh, they were my grandpa and they were 98. Okay, well, you they were always around. So, of course, you're sad. And you maybe they raised you. You don't know a person's relationship to the person they lost. So, it, be it your friend or your family member or whatever – I just want people to feel like no matter how you're grieving that you're not alone. But it sounds like in, in, with the mom show and death and music, it, it became something that you as a human who happens to also be a DJ was able to process this grief. It became something that evolved over the years and it now has become death and music. And it, listeners are a part of the equation as well. Big time. And all year now, too. We talk about – it's funny. We talk about the mom show and the death and music event and, it, and it's two days out of the year. I probably get a message every day, Emily, like every day, like someone passed and could you play a song or someone passed, I'm finally able to talk about it. Or I just got an email the other day that I, I haven't even talked about, but um, this is how people have a relationship with the show and, and me talking about these things is that um, someone who actually actually volunteered here years ago and, and I, I had written him back and forth. He was having a real struggle with mental health and um, we just had a nice conversation and he thanked me for helping him and moved on. Well, she wrote me to say he died just the other day and, and that she had gone through his email and saw our uh, exchanges and said, you know, you're like the only other person he opened up to besides me. 
and thank you for giving him hope. You, you, you're, you're the way you talked about not being alone in, in your shows, your music heel shows meant so much to him that, yeah, I mean, that's what it's become. It's become, it's kind of opened up the entire station to all these, this is like, we have all these music heels events and we have cancer and mental health and, and addiction and all the things we do. It all started with, you know, and with, with this show. And I have to say, there's not, I'm not saying there's silver lining. Again, they're gone. I'd rather have my mom here than any of this to have happened. Okay. But they are gone and you have, what can you do with this? And so for me, you know, at the end of the day, I'm living that. Like I've been able to take her death and how proud would she be that her legacy has caused all of these people to feel less alone and all of these people able to talk about death and all of these musicians and artists to connect and KXP is an organization, which I firmly believe is super important in, in our world um, is better because of it. So yeah, it's really grown. That was my conversation with John Richards about his story of death and music and someone who is his co-host during the mom show and the death and music events is his wife, Amy. Someone John says has experienced more extreme loss than he has. She told her story of death and music as it relates to her family during our recent death and music event. I was two years old. My father was walking me down the beach in San Clemente, California. We started heading toward the waves. I stopped, I hesitated, and I turned and ran. He scooped me up. He walked me in his arms back towards the waves. He said... It's all right, Amy. Daddy's got you. According to my mother, I repeated this phrase to myself as we walked towards the ocean. And as a child, I repeated this phrase over and over whenever I was scared. It's all right, Amy. Daddy's got you. Over the years, my love of the ocean grew. Each year, our family piled into our truck and our trailer and drove from Salt Lake City, Utah, to the Southern California beach of San Clemente. There was no wave too big to keep me out of the water. At nine years old, I was caught in a riptide and dragged far out to sea, far from the beach. I was thankful I had learned to tread water as I watched all the people on the beach get further and further and further away. I said to myself, it's all right, Amy. Daddy's got you, I think. I don't see him, but, you know, just hold that thought. Eventually, I was rescued by the lifeguard team on the beach, and I was brought in, and my dad was right there. He flung a towel around me, and he said, it's all right, Amy. Daddy's got you. Every summer, we went to the beach. Every year, we rode in the trailer all the way there. I'm sure that was legal. <laughs> uh, me and my siblings. My parents just tossed us in the back of the trailer. This is a true story. They enjoyed whatever they were doing up front in the truck. <laughs> we listened to a lot of music in that trailer and sang at the top of our lungs. Talking Heads, Madonna, The Cars, The Cure, Susie and the Banshees. I went for walks on the beach with my sister Sherry, and we each had an earbud in each ear, and we listened to our Walkman. I think it was yellow, those yellow Walkman. We would sit on the edge of a bluff and listen, to the, and, and listen to music. We would watch the waves. When I was 10 years old, my brother Brad died. He was killed in an avalanche while he was snowboarding. 
The following summer, that trip to the beach was different. My parents still packed his surfboard, but he wasn't there to ride it. So I all took turns. Of course, we were terrible. And I can still smell this, that scent of the surf wax of the, of the board. In the trailer, we blasted the cars even louder and sang along with Rick Ocasek. We had more sentimental walks on the beach. They became a little heavier, Sherry and I. We sat on that bluff and we cried and we listened to music. My dad sat down next to us and I thought to myself, it's all right, daddy's got us. When I was 23 years old, my sister Sherry was murdered on Halloween by her husband. The shock and the horror and the disbelief were almost too much. Again, I turned to music. She was living in Southern California at the time of the murder, so, of course, the murder trial took place in a courtroom very close to that beach. Again, I found myself walking on the beach, listening to music. This time, I had both earbuds in. My sister was dead. My dad was so distraught during the entire trial, as we all were. At one point, I was given a warning that I'd be asked to leave <laughs> the courtroom because my face could not hide the anger and disgust. I was accused of influencing witnesses. Sometimes, sometimes uh, I don't mean to make that face out loud. Does anyone else have that problem? <laughs> we make a face out loud, and we're like, oh, didn't mean to make that face out loud. At one point, my dad was asked to leave the courtroom for the same reason. I walked outside and found him sitting on a bench in tears. I had never seen my dad cry like that. I put my arms around him and I said, this isn't all right, none of this is, but I've got you. Right now, my dad is in hospice. He's suffering from Lewy body dementia and Parkinson's disease. He rarely recognizes who is there or where he is or what on earth is going on daily. He mostly sleeps now his decline has been going on for more than a year. We have been grieving this loss. His body is still there, but not much is left. We are grieving the living. The memories at the beach are some of my most favorite memories ever, and I am so grateful for them. I come back to them and I let the warmth of the sunshine, the crashing of the waves, the smell of the salt, the sea, the eucalyptus trees, fill my senses, and I listen to the music that we listened to in that trailer, and I listen to the music that we listened to on that beach, and I am so grateful that I am right there again. The last time I was in town to visit my father was on his 88th birthday a few weeks ago. As I was saying goodbye to him, as I knew I had to board a plane in a few hours, I leaned into him and held his hand. He gripped it so tightly and grabbed me by the shoulder and held on for what seemed like dear life. He didn't speak. He doesn't speak anymore. 
but I looked right into his big blue eyes and said, it's all right, Daddy, I've got you. It's all right, you can go. That was Amy Richards during our recent Death and Music event. This is a special Death and Music episode of Sound and Vision on KEXP. I'm John Richards. And I'm Emily Fox. So on Wednesday, the Olympia-based band O Rose performed on the morning show as well as for John's Death and Music event at Seattle Town Hall that night. Yeah, it was a great session uh, and perfect for uh, our Death and Music event. And I invited them up because they released this album called While My Father Sleeps. The album was written after the band singer and guitarist Olivia Rose's mother and grandmother passed away within the span of a year. And her reaction to that, a lot of the songs on the album are about the grief she felt after the loss. So let's play that conversation you had with Olivia Rose um, and hear a song about how she felt following her mother's deaths. And this is from this week's in-studio performance. For those who don't know what our Death and Music event is, it's uh, music. Well, it's in the title, really. But um, it's a community gathering around grief. It's music being played to make everyone feel uh, that they are not alone. And the storytelling and the songs just bring everybody together. We, we often talk about it like a second funeral, one you're more prepared for. <sighs> yeah. Because that first one, you are not. Yeah, any... definitely not. Yeah. And this album touches on that. There's... Um, there's so much in this album I want to ask you about. Can you just talk about the loss that inspired uh, you? Yeah. Um, so in 2017, in January, my mother passed away. Um, so that was kind of the first one. And uh, a year after that, my grandmother, her mother passed away. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a compounding of loss. Compound grief, yeah. Yeah, compounding. Yeah. However, you know, in a band we've been playing you know we've been together since 2014 so it was kind of this grief and loss wrapped up in also music um trying to stay focused and release music but the loss just it it didn't go anywhere i i needed to use music and art as a vessel f- for i don't know my yeah my grief I read about you talking about the language of death. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is that? What is that to you? Um, well, I think that um, I think I'm still learning it there. But there is something that I did uh, after losing, like my my mom. It was this. I totally thought and spoke about death death differently, um, and also it was uh, wild. Because uh, when you've experienced such a close loss, um, especially young, you know, I was 25, you start to just speak to people in a way, and then you see how many people have actually experienced loss. And I think that that's what I mean by the language of, of death, is this um, understanding, like when you're speaking with someone and it comes up that they've lost someone really close to them, uh, I don't know, just like a, almost, it's just different. It's like a tone change or something. Today is the 15th anniversary of my mom dying. And Sorry for your loss. Thank you. And it, it, it doesn't get easier. It gets different. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've experienced. It totally. gets different. But that language is the same. Absolutely. Like it doesn't change. If someone walked in the room and lost the one yesterday, <laughs> you know, the, the conversation would be, of that of loss. Totally. And knowing that they don't understand how the world keeps moving 
when mm. your mom isn't in it anymore. That doesn't, uh, yeah. it didn't make any sense to me. Like mm. when uh, we always talk about like green lights, like mm-hmm. or red lights, you stop at a. Why are these people stopping at lights and stupid things like that pop yeah. in your head? Like how yeah. are you? How are you getting through your day? Right. My mom's dead. Right. And I, yeah. and the not being able to call is the oh, yeah is, is it gets gets in there as well. And for me, that was my, when that was when my grandmother passed away. Um, You're close to your grandma. I was very close to yeah. her. Um, very close to her. Me and my mom had a strained relationship at time. Um, and that has a lot to do with mental illness. Mm-hmm. Um, so that her loss, I'm still very much processing. Um, but my grandmother's was so just absence, an absence of right. just like pure love. Um, you know. And that's the other bit of language. You don't know people's relationship. Like my dad died 20 years ago and mm-hmm. we had a strained relationship and that grieving is different than the yeah. grieving of someone close exactly. to you. <laughs> so totally. you don't get like, a, oh, okay, I have some experience in this. Here you are a year later totally, and probably ill-prepared for someone <laughs> that close to you because that's not fair. Yeah, it wasn't fair. You know, it wasn't. Um, and that, you know, it's a thing of like, well, you know, she was 89. Yeah. So it's like, oh, you know, you know, but did, did, I was like, what? But she's like not here. Like I can't call her, you know. And me and my brother were talking last night and I was like, you know, we're going on KXP, like this is exciting and it's just like, you know, wish we could call yeah. Mama Dot. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that with us and, and, and tonight as well. Um you'll be you'll be surrounded by again people who know what you're talking about. So for sure. Um how about a couple more songs? Tell yeah. us about this next one too, man. This I played this one a lot, um, Twenty Five Alive. Yeah. Um This is a song that I wrote uh, the lyrics to after her my mother had passed. Um kind of the beginning melody of something we had been working on for a while, but the word I could never really kind of find the words to, um and wrote it uh one night. Um, it's personal. I'm talking about my mother dying, and I'm also talking about wanting to let go of anger. I had a lot of anger surrounding her death. She had a lot of anger in her life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a way to release it. Uh, it's been a difficult song for me to play, but it's, it is getting somewhat easier <laughs> sometimes. Um, and I remember when it was done, when I finished writing it, so I like took my finger off of the fret and my middle finger like snapped down like I don't know some tendon or something but I just like took it as a sign as like my mom being so mad at me <laughs> like wow but, um, wow so it's it's good all right well 25 alive is a song is a brilliant song thank you and this is O Rose live here on the morning show
That was the Olympia-based band O-Rose with their song 25 Alive during their in-studio this week. And O-Rose performed as part of this week's Death and Music event. And as part of Death and Music, all the performers have to tell a story of how music got them through the death of a loved one. And what O-Rose had to say before their set was really powerful. And when Olivia Rose kind of started off, I got a little nervous yeah. for her. Yeah, You'll hear why. But then you keep listening, and, and she, I just love how she just ties everything together in the end. So let's take a listen. I am not, I was not prepared for this. <laughs> and I tried to write down what I was going to say tonight, but that's really like all that I could write down is like, I was not prepared for this. <laughs> um, and so that made that statement made me look deeper. What was I actually not prepared for? Because, you know, here I am speaking to all of you and I'm doing a good job, <laughs> um, I think. <laughs> um, but what are we not prepared for? Well, for me, I was not prepared when I lost my mom. Um, it was January of 2017. I was 25, and I wasn't prepared. Um, I wasn't prepared a year later, the following January when I lost my grandmother. Um, I wasn't prepared when I didn't want to sing anymore because of how much pain I was in. And I wasn't prepared when music also pulled me back. And when this band pulled me back, and a lot of the people that are here tonight pulled me back. Um, So that's the perfect speech to hear at Death and Music. You're not prepared. You're not alone. It's amazing how she tied all that together. And you are feeling for her. The crowd cheering her on. It was a really powerful moment in the evening. And then when the band was done with their whole set, they had this massive group hug on stage and they kind of cried together. It was really beautiful. And then the day after this Death and Music event, you had the mom show, where again you tell the story of your mom's passing and how music helped you through that process. But another big part of the show is hearing from listeners about their stories of death and music. You got hundreds of emails from listeners during the Mom Show this year, and a few of them mentioned how much Dave Bazan's performance at last year's death and music event meant to them. Dave Bazan is from the band Pedro the Lion. And before we play the clip from Dave Bazan, let's hear what one listener had to say about it. Hi there, this is Jeff from Toronto, and I have a story to share. Um, approximately a year ago, my dad passed away. And in the two months leading up to that, uh, I'm a regular KEXP listener, and um, the music of David Bazan had been playing quite frequently, and I felt a real deep connection to his music. And four days before my father's passing, uh, the station put together a, their annual death and music show. And during that show, David Bazan came onto the stage and read a, a, a note and a story from Nick Cave which talked about uh, grief and uh, the, the death of his son and how he has dealt with that. 
It was a very beautiful story. And I told the story at my dad's eulogy. And it was a really beautiful perspective. And what I got out of that story was that you can't have love without some grief and you can't have grief without lots of love. And as I said during the eulogy, I would take a thousand more mournful days like the ones I experienced last year if it meant one more day of playing catch with my dad. And I gave this a lot of thought and I told my kids that that week that in time, the grief we were feeling would eventually turn back into love. And the memories of my dad and their grandfather would make us smile and not cry. And so it's a year later now, and there's still lots of grief, but there's also lots of love. So I just wanted to thank KEXP and and John and David Bazan and Nick Cave, because it means a lot to me to have that recording. And I listen to it quite often. Something I saw on the internet uh, on Twitter You know, Twitter's good, too. There's, there's good things on Twitter sometimes. Um, uh, a, a woman called Cynthia from Shelburne Falls, Vermont, wrote in to Nick Cave's website and said, um, I have experienced the death of my father, my sister, and my first love in the past few years. And I feel that I have some communication with them, mostly through dreams. They are helping me. Are you and Susie feeling that your son, Arthur, is with you and communicating in some way? Uh, Nick Cave responds, this is a very beautiful question. And I am grateful that you have asked it. It seems to me that if we love, we grieve. This is a recurring theme. That's the deal. That's the pact. Grief and love are forever intertwined. Grief is the terrible reminder of the depths of our love. And like love, grief is non-negotiable. There is a vastness to grief that overwhelms our minuscule selves. We are tiny, trembling clusters of atoms subsumed within grief's awesome presence. It occupies the core of our being and extends through our fingers to the limits of the universe. Within that whirling gyre, all manner of madnesses exist. Ghosts and spirits and dream visitations and everything else that we, in our our anguish, will into existence. These are precious gifts that are as valid and as real as we need them to be. They are the spirit guides that lead us out of darkness. I feel the presence of my son all around, but he may not be there. I hear him talk to me, parent me, guide me, though he may not be there. He visits Susie in her sleep regularly, speaks to her, comforts her, but he may not be there. Dread grief trails bright phantoms in its wake. These spirits are ideas, essentially. They are our stunned imaginations reawakening after the calamity. Like ideas, these spirits speak of possibility. Follow your ideas, because on the other side of the idea is change and growth and redemption. Create your spirits. 
call to them, will them alive, speak to them. It is their impossible and ghostly hands that draw us back to the world from which we were jettisoned, better now and unimaginably changed. With love, Nick. That was Dave Bazan reading a letter from Nick Cave from last year's Death and Music event. Let's hear what other listeners had to say about their experiences of death and music. My name is Jeannie, and I live over in Wenatchee, and I became a KAXP listener about 12 years ago, actually. Also 12 years ago is when I lost my father. He was a an infectious disease physician here in Wenatchee. So our community is pretty small and he was the only infectious disease physician in our area. So the impact of losing him didn't just hit our family. It extended well beyond us, but he was the person who got me interested in music in the first place. We had Nevermind by Nirvana and 10 by Pearl Jam in our collection of albums at our house because he was interested in those bands. And so my exposure to those bands first came from him. Um, So he was a great man, but he was not without flaws. He was a recovering alcoholic. And ironically enough, he was killed by a drunk driver after he had achieved five years of sobriety. So the song that reminds me of him is Joseph Arthur's recording of In the Sun that was done with Michael Stipe of R.E.M. It's a song that's very beautiful to me, despite my not being very religious, and it always reminds me of him. If there is anyone who is in the sun, will you help me to understand? Because I've been caught in between all you wish for and all you need. Or maybe you're not even sure what it's for any more than me hi my name is jules i am from bremerton washington on september 18th 1992 my best friend steve and i went to go see a movie called singles It launched our love into moving to Seattle, Washington. We moved up here together. We were starting a life together. On September 18th, 1998, my best friend Steve went camping. I hugged him goodbye and we laughed at the door and made weekend plans. Little did I know that that would be the last time I would ever see my best friend of 10 years. On the evening of September 18th at midnight, I got a call saying that my best friend had been in his tent when a tree branch fell and broke his neck. The person that he was with was unable to revive him. Singles, Mother Love Bone, anytime I hear a Chloe Dancer, kind of thorns, it just brings me right back to that night on September 18th, 1992. And... You know, he died on September 18th, 1998. So I know that there is some significance to that. And I miss him dearly every day.
My name is Lori Solheim. I live in Seattle, Washington. And my story is about my brother, Dan Johnson, who was killed in 2005 by a log truck, of all things. Uh, he was a geologist. And anyway, a log truck um, driver speeding and on mass lost its logs and roller pinned him, and that was it. Uh, and I went through a lot of grief, kind of felt emotionally in a, in a fetal position, and gratefully studied about heaven and, and kind of got peace that he's fine and I can go on in his honor. So I ended up writing it into a song called You're in Heaven. And I just hope that other people can be encouraged that their loved one's in heaven and they can go on in that person's honor because that's going to matter more than just sitting in the fetal position emotionally. You're in This is Leilani from Seattle, and it was just a seven mere months in 2017 after my beloved mom passed away. Uh, My also beloved father had been ill, and he had been admitted to the hospital where he would enter hospice and spend his last days. And one day during the week uh, before his passing, I had to commute by bus from work downtown to the hospital north and I put on my headphones, listened to KEXP and Larry Rose was setting for Kevin Cole that day on the afternoon show. And he played the then new song, call it dreaming from the just released iron and wine album, Be Epic. And I instantly connected with the lyrics in those four minutes, the sense of doom that had been gripping my heart since my dad was ill and even more ill Um, was lifted, and I knew that this was the song that was going to represent my father in his last days. So fast forward to almost a year later, he had passed, and I was trying to celebrate a big birthday, and we spent it up in Tofino, B.C., and on the last day of our stay, we had breakfast at the lodge, and almost done with the meal, the music playing in the background came to the foreground, and I recognized the song, and it was Call It Dreaming from Iron and Wine. And I just connected with that. I felt it was my father greeting me happy birthday. And he always called me kid. So it was happy birthday, kid. And just saying, I'm with you. I'm here. And you are not alone. Where the sun isn't only sinking fast. Every night knows how long it's supposed to last. Where the time of our lives is all we have and we get a chance to say before we ease away for all the love you left behind you can have mine thanks to everyone for sharing those stories you are definitely not alone out there. And if you missed the show, I want to remind everybody, we're referencing the show a lot. It's not gone due to technology. 
we can go back and listen to the archive. So if you go to kxp.org, uh, go to the app, you can go back to the archive. The The mom show was Thursday morning, 6 to 10 a.m. on The Morning Show with John Richards. And you can go back and listen to that and tell others, too, who are dealing with grief. I've, I've gotten that message a lot, Emily, that um, people not familiar with the station, the first time they ever listened to KXP was The Grief Show. And I thought... Well, that is a commitment. If if, yeah. if that's where you came in, if you were ground level on the grief show, then you're really going to like what KXP does. So, uh, yeah, spread the word if someone needs to feel a little less alone. And before we end the show, I want to do something a little bit different, John. All right. So I want to ask you our final question of the show, <laughs> which is why does music matter? And considering that this whole show has been about death and music, you know, when you think about the mom show, death and music events, why does music matter during those times of of grief or, you know, just processing the death of a loved one or, you know, anything along those lines? Wow. Um, I just have to say that without music, I don't think I would have gotten through the grief. I think that I can't imagine even trying. So for me, it matters because it saved my life and it allowed me to process feelings, sometimes using the words of other artists. You can't come up with the... The words all the time, especially when you're grieving or even during a breakup when you're just destroyed or or just something bad is happening in your life and you turn to music and those songs tell the story that maybe you're unable to tell. And there's something that makes you feel so supported and less alone. I think that's where the you're not alone comes from even. it it, it When I hear certain artists sing certain songs or even hear classical music or hear emotional music with no words, they fill in the blank and they give me hope. And what I think is cool about music too, if I'm picking a song, right? I get to pick a song. You get to pick a song to go I'm out on a on. spot, but I, I think I want to fill in this idea that <laughs> in a way, um, I don't want to say it's creepy when you think songs were written for you, but it's, you know, that happens. But some, the song in our family um, comes from the cars. And um, Amy told the story at Death and Music. Um, I've always loved the cars and the story of listening to the song when her brother Brad died and listening to it with her sister Sherry um, to feel better because Brad loved the cars and then Sherry died. And then Amy tells the story of now she's the only one listening to the song on the earbuds that she shared with her sister. And then Rick Ocasek died recently. And since you're gone is clearly about someone leaving someone else. But for us, it's become kind of our grief anthem that someone's gone. That was Sound and Vision for this week. If you appreciate the stories you heard on this week's podcast, if it meant something to you, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. KEXP is a publicly funded station, and we are able to devote entire days to subjects like death and music on air. If you want to help support that and support sharing those stories on this podcast, please give a one-time $20 donation at kexp.org slash sound. Thanks so much for listening.